The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. Find out about all of SeaDeck's amazing standard and customizable applications online at www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. And now, it's showtime. Recognized as the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products. It's the Golden Mike Podcast. With the noise of the North himself. Oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to the Golden Mike Podcast, everybody. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan of the Mano. I'm coming at you from Orlando, Florida, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Ronix Wakeboards. Whether you're riding behind the boat, at the park, or a combination of both, Ronix has a board based on your riding style. Available at retailers worldwide, you can also on-water demo the entire Ronix lineup when visiting Central Florida at both the boarding school or at Performance Ski and Surf. Find out more at ronixwake.com. Speaking of Ronix Wake, Liquid Force Wakeboards, Hyperlite, Slingshot, well, I saw them all in Orlando on the water being ridden by the almost 60 athletes. Signed up April 16th at the first stop of the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour. It was a great time. We saw riders from under nine years old to 40-plus hit the water to kick off the season behind the Performance Edition G23. Many of the riders were there testing the waters for the upcoming Nautique Wake Open, happening April 21st through the 24th, once again here in Orlando. I'll be announcing that and hope to catch up with any of you listeners out there in attendance. The Wake Open is the first major Pro-Am contest of the year, and I have a feeling across the board the riding is going to be pretty good especially from the Australian riders coming back to the States after an Aussie summer down under. While I have audio from the gravel tour, you guys will hear in a few moments, and uh, be sure to listen for an audio montage from the Wake Open with sound clips from top riders on the next episode of the Golden Mike Podcast. Now on to today's guest. For almost a decade and a half, he was the lead towboat driver at any major wakeboard event you could think of. If he wasn't pulling contests, he was pulling students. He's the owner and operator of the boarding school here in East Orlando, Florida, and I'm pumped to have sat down and chatted up with Travis Moy, or as I like to call him, the world's greatest towboat driver with over one million pulls. Trav is a hilarious dude and one of the most respected guys in the business. He's done it all. He's seen it all. And today... We talk all about it, from his start as a traditional skier and national champion to his transition into wakeboarding and how he got into coaching and starting down in South Florida and how he and Sean Murray started the boarding school uh, 10 plus years ago. Trav is known for saying it how it is, and we talked a little bit about how he feels about parents on the dock at contests and some stories of the athletes on the dock, and I really enjoyed them all, and I think you guys will as well. This was a really fun one for me, and we recorded with Trav at the boarding school. They were full of students, 
boats were running all day long, and the students all seemed to be enjoying their time out there. Uh, you'll definitely hear that from Travis, and you'll hear that fun is what it's all about. You could say that Travis Moy is a, a conductor of fun. Travis Moy, he's a fun doctor. Yeah, fun doctor. Okay, guys, before we get into it, the Golden Mike podcast is brought to you for free twice monthly and is always available online at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge to you, the listener, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, SeaDeck Marine Products, Performance Ski and Surf, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Boulder Boats, GoPuck, Hungry Boards, SUP, Rockstar Energy, and our newest sponsor, C4 Belts. Follow me, tag me, tweet me on social media, on Instagram at DanoTMano. I got two Twitter accounts, at TheDanoTMano and at TheGolden underscore Mike. And be sure to like the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. You guys can always reach me through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Come on, guys, email me. I need some uh, reading material for my flights this year. I talked about the Performance Ski and Surf Travel Tour at the top of the show, and now it's time before a quick sponsor break for y'all to hear for yourselves in this week's audio montage. My name's Darren Shapiro, and we are at the very first stop of the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour. This event is really special to me personally because it's really amazing because it brings the whole community together and families as well. And it's really fantastic that Bill Porter puts on this event for us. What's up? Brett Hargrave here, uh, Southeast Sales Manager for Ronix Wakeboards. Just uh, hanging out here for Gravel Tour stop number one. Big thanks to Bill Porter and the crew for... uh, continuing the legacy and pushing the sport of wakeboarding. I'm Jake Pilat. I've been riding the gravel tour since I was little. It's a great contest. Uh, I'm stoked to be here giving back as a judge and I'm stoked for this season. It's going to be awesome. I'm Keen Shapiro and I just won the Grom Boys Division. My favorite part about the gravel tour uh, is ride and have fun. My name is Madison Laverack and I'm from Wake Forest, North Carolina. Did you win the girls division at the gravel tour? Yeah, my favorite trick is the fashion air. I'm Kiko Williams. I'm from Cornelius, North Carolina. I'm a little windy, but the water was good. The wake was nice. What's up, guys? Joey Gallagher from Deerfield Beach, Florida. Just took my first win in the advanced category, the gravel tour. Everyone was killing it. Had a great time. This is Joey Lawson, Southeast rep for Liquid Force Wakeboards. We're out at the gravel tour today. Bill Porter Performance Ski and Surf does an amazing job of this event, and we support it year in and year out. Ben Greenwood here, former pro rider and uh, publisher of Wakeboarding Water Ski Magazines. Out here at the uh, first stop of the Performance Gravel Tour, looking at all the uh, future cover boys and cover girls of the sport. Hey, what's up, guys? Kirby Leesman here with uh, Kirby School Wake. Just uh, enjoying the ride in here. What's up? I'm Kyle Rattray, uh, the driver of the gravel tour, and after watching stop number one, these kids have definitely been practicing all winter. This year's riding is going to be awesome. John Jeffries here, 2002 gravel tour champion. Stoked to be back as a judge. Hey, guys, this is Blake Hess from the Texas Ski Ranch out here in Orlando, Florida at the gravel tour just supporting our Texas riders in one of the best grassroots tournaments in the world today. So happy to be here. Great event. Come on out for the next one. Hey, my name's Scotty Kell. Um, I run Black Diamond Wakeboarding School, running, running it since 1996. Taught a lot of the big boys that are riding uh, over here in the States now. Um, Dean Smith and Scotty Broom. Hey guys, Charlotte Bryant here out of the Performance Gravel Tour. Just out here supporting the up and coming girls. 
really excited to see how they ride today. Hey, what's up? Taylor McCauley here, out here at the Performance Gravel Tour stop. I used to ride this event for so many years before I turned pro, now just out here supporting all the young and up-and-coming girls. Performance Ski and Surf and Nautique athlete Megan Ethel here. We're out here at the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour. I definitely wouldn't be where I am right now without being able to ride as a younger rider in the gravel tour. Hi, I'm Sofia Mendez and I'm super excited to start off the season with a big win here at the gravel tour. Hey, what's up guys? Daniel Powers here, Rockstar Energy team rider at the gravel tour. This is where I got my start at wakeboarding, so you know you're going to see some of the best up-and-coming riders come out of these contests. Hey guys, Gunther Oki here. 2015 Wake Awards Checkout Award and 2015 Alliance Wake Rookie of the Year. Very excited to just take the win for the Outlaw Division. Perfect way to get all the fans, all the kids involved in the grassroots contest. Hi guys, my name is Jack Dorsey and I'm from Texas Ski Ranch. I just came out here for my first gravel tour stop. Uh, just won, and won the Intermediate Division, so stoked. Hey, what's up? This is Robert Schwartz from the Weekend Warriors. I just finished competing in the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour Masters Division over 30. Uh, this is my first win ever on a wakeboard. I'm really stoked right now. Big shout out to the Weekend Warriors, uh, Performance Ski and Surf for putting on this awesome event. I'm super stoked. Hey guys, what's up? It's Thomas Herman. I just won the first gravel tour stop in the boys division. Super fun out here, riding with my friends and having a good time. Hola, my name is Javier Alea, and I just won first place in Grand Pro. I'm Zara Keller, I'm 12 years old. I'm the national champion for wakeboarding in Australia. Out here for the gravel tour and the wake open. Rode today behind the G23 and end up winning. Wake was great, conditions weren't that good, but still had a good ride. Really stoked, thanks everyone. Hey, I'm Bill Porter, the founder of the uh, Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour since 1999. Uh, we were stoked to have a great day here out at OWC. Had some great riding and great competition. So if you're looking for a great event to ride at, come to the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour. Come join us. A lot of fun. Performance Ski and Surf in Orlando, Florida is your one-stop shop for all towed water sports needs. As an industry leader for more than two decades, Performance Ski and Surf's pro staff will sweep you off your feet with loads of industry knowledge and the best customer service in the biz. Right now, you can order online from perfski.com and receive 10% off your entire purchase by using my promo code GOLDENMIKE, all capital letters. Whether you're looking for current or closeout gear, Performance Ski and Surf has it all. And right now with my promo code Golden Mike, you just can't beat the deals. Performance Ski and Surf is just minutes from the Orlando International Airport or online at perfski.com. That's P-E-R-F-S-K-I.com. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products. It's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. Known as the world's greatest towboat driver with over one million professional pulls, the Golden Mike Podcast, we welcome the one and only Mr. Travis Moy. Trav, what's happening? What up, Dano? Uh, pumped to be here. I'm, I'm just Snapchatting you right now and let people know we're doing this. Thanks. Pumped Pumped to be here. I'm Mobile Mano, dude. I'm at your spot right now. I'm, I mean, I'm overlooking your kingdom. Where are we? Uh, we are at the boarding school. Uh formerly known as The Projects. Uh, so a lot of people know the, know the name of the place from over the years, and I've been out here for, for six years now, and we've been kind of slowly pecking away. When I first got here, uh, Pat still had Lake 3, Papanakos uh, still had Lake 3. There was another guy, Chris Rossi, that was doing water ski stuff out here, and so he still had 
uh, part of the living space and and use of two of the lakes and uh, over the past six years we've kind of been whittling away and getting our hands uh, on everything so so now we've got the the whole run of the place on taking the water over the world man no, we just want to take over our space out here taking taking over chilio yeah. is this chiliota is that where we're this at? is orlando our address is orlando people like to call it bithlow bithlow right uh but our, our address is technically orlando they like to glamorize it by calling it bithlow they right? do they do i mean uh you know that's one of those things uh i don't know if you know like like where lake ronix is just a couple miles away is christmas right and Bithlow, which I'd recently heard was called the Nightmare Before Christmas. Which Interesting. Never, never heard that before. Well, I believe you got the Speedway right next door, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, but yeah, stuff. we we uh, we've just been slowly kind of getting more living space and use of all the lakes and and all that stuff. And uh, you know, right now we're we're incredibly happy with where we're at uh, and everything we've been doing to the property and to the houses and stuff like that. And and Pat Panakos and Beat All and, and Sam Adams and those guys are still upstairs at our house. The Sessi Tech crew. Sessi Tech crew. Uh, oh, cool. Their offices are upstairs and, you know, they run out of here and, uh, you know. So you we, are in the pulse of it all. In a way, but at the same time, you know, I was just telling you, like, we 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 really like our bubble out here and, and uh, you know, as, as much as, you know, with those guys and just me doing stuff with with Mastercraft and uh, that kind of stuff, you know, we're, we're still super heavily involved, but it's, you know, I don't really do contest anymore. I'm not out and about doing all that and uh, just kind of really focusing 100% of my energy on being here and, and growing the business and making the experience better for the students and with that, making it better for myself. And I don't blame you. It's your happy place, right? It's my happy place. That's I mean, a beautiful thing. I'd, honestly, you know, I just went on, it's my little girl's spring break this week, and so went out of town for like five days, and we're in this incredible place up what in is, Panhandle. Yeah, I was going to say, what is going out of town for you? Is that like getting like a couple hours away from Orlando? Well, we went like six and a half. We were up in the Panhandle, uh, this little area called Rosemary Beach, and, uh, you know, so I was up there, for, and it's beautiful. Everything, it's like all these planned communities on the beach, and it's like, it's fake. I mean, it's like the Truman Show. It's fake. It's so nice. And... You know, I was up there and loved every second of it. And then, you know, I was gone for five days and I came back and Wednesday morning, I go out in the boat and it's glass calm here. And, you know, I'm in an incredible boat, fun students, music playing, glass calm, sun shining. And I'm like, I just left vacation and this is what I came back to. Vacation. So, yeah. Kind of. So I'm, you know, I'm coming back to everybody else's vacation. I got five people here or six people here this week that are vacationing. Yeah. And so, you know, you're facilit you're a facilitator of good times, my friend. <laughs> and we can appreciate that. I try to be. I try pretty hard. Well, you said you said it's been uh well, before we move forward here, we'll just say this. We are recording outdoors. We're sitting under the uh on the boat or on the dock for the System 2.0 over here at the boarding school. So, might hear some race car noises coming from the speedway throughout the interview or possibly uh, some boat noise. The boats kind of come in and out throughout the day, but but we are all good. You know, a moment ago you mentioned that you kind of, um, you know, not really doing the contest thing so much anymore, but I called what I called your one millionth pull back in 2005. It was my first wakeboard nationals. 
you know, I know it's only been about a year or two since you kind of stepped back from going to every single event, but you got to be up to like 2 million pulls now, yeah? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to dispute the numbers because it sounds good, and I have people that truly believe that number. Uh, we sat down one day, Brooks and I sat down on the dock and just kind of loosely did the math, and it was something pretty crazy that I'd have to do like 100 and something pulls a day for every day, like no days off for 20 plus years or something, which seems like a lot. I mean, I don't think I do that. I know I know some days seem long here every now and then, but yeah, we'll go with it. Two million. Yeah. Just keep, mi- keep it rolling. That's right. You know? Two million professional pulls. So we, <laughs> that's not even adding in the amateur pulls yeah, out man, there. So, so man, we're... I don't know. There's a lot. There's commas and zeros all over the place. Well, Trav, you weren't always a a wakeboarding driver and coach. In in your early days, you were, and you already mentioned this a little bit, you were a traditional skier. But I don't think that um, people really know to what extent of a of a traditional skier. Before before we get into that, I want to talk. I want to rewind the clock and get back to the beginning and um, you, your family, how you guys kind of got into toad water sports in general. Um, you know, it, it it was pretty like a whirlwind honestly like my my dad bought like a a starcraft like it was an inboard outboard and we went out and the first day we had it my mom hadn't skied since she was like 16 and she was going to go first to show my brother and I how to do it and she popped right up and skied and then we sat back in this little cove on Lake Alatoona in Georgia and my brother and I both learned to ski well uh my dad whatever my dad Whatever he did, he was fanatical about. And just straight away, he was insane. You know, like, he, if he liked doing something, you can guarantee, you know, day one, he realizes he likes it. Day two, he's going to buy whatever he needs that is the best thing. So day one, you had the StarCraft, and day two, you had the Stars and Bars. Pretty much. <laughs> like, it, it was it was weak. It, it might have been weeks. But, uh, you know, pretty quickly, we went to the MassCraft dealer, which was on, it was JOA Marine, back in the time and it it was in this little private lake in Dallas Georgia and we go to test out this boat and it was stars and stripes and uh, we get out there and I get there and the guy had a pair of wooden cypress garden trick skis and he's like hey you want to try these trick skis so you know I go out and uh, you know like learned like a 180 with you know butt in the air and head between my knees like backwards on two skis as and you do as you do <laughs> you know and uh just got into it pretty quickly so uh that summer i went to this place in eastman georgia uh Lindigan's water ski school and a lot i don't a lot of great people came through Lindigan's water ski school and uh so i went down there for a week and when i was down there i met shay langley and shay is jeff langley's dad uh, so a lot of people don't know that, uh, you know, Jeff worked for me for a long time out here and, uh, but Jeff's dad was one of the main people who taught me how to ski when I was a kid. Well, before going down there, my dad had gotten a lake house and turns out just happened to be next door to Shay Langley's lake house. So when I got back from the summer, you know, camp, Shay got home and we started skiing together every single day. And... It was incredible. I mean, he was—he was one of the most talented dudes, you know, I'd ever seen on the water. He was one of the first guys doing a flip on a trick ski. Like when Sammy Duvall and Ricky McCormick were like the only two dudes in the world doing a flip on a trick ski, 
like Shay was doing them. Shay's still doing them. He's still doing them. Yeah. yeah, and he's, you know, he's old. I mean, Shay's, uh, I don't know, Shay's probably 50 maybe or 51 or so. And, you know, I, I remember seeing a video recently, him going out with Jeff and, you know, him doing like a toe side back roll on his trick ski. Yep, behind you know? a big old wake. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I just got super lucky that, you know, like Linda Giddens and Shade took me under their wing and, and helped me out, you know, a lot. So the next summer I lived there full summer, like at Linda's. Like what year is this? Like 82, 1982. And so, uh, I just, I was pretty lucky, you know, I mean, it's one of those things like without her, you know, seeing something in me and Shay seeing something in me, like, you know, it would probably gone a way different way you know because i just was kind of in the middle of nowhere georgia and you know unless i had access to people like that it you know it definitely wouldn't have gone as quickly as it did well and that and that kind of transitioned into quite the amateur career for you as well i'm just going to ramble some stats that i found on the internet and these weren't easy to find just so you know because <laughs> um, they didn't have internet then you know <laughs> a 12-time national champion in tricks and overall, which means you competed in jump and slalom and did pretty well in both. Um, a former member of the USA ski team, and you were captain of the collegiate All-American team, right? Yeah. So, that, like, that's some pretty impressive statistics right there. So, I mean, except from, from the sound of this, from the time you were about 10 years old till you were about 22 years old, I mean, you were very engulfed in the world of amateur uh traditional water skiing correct yeah for sure i mean i, I skied till i was about 27 um did you ever dabble in any pro skiing i did i went to a few pro tours uh just in slalom uh you know and i just you know like like all these wakeboard kids now man it was just i, I came into it at the tail end of like water skiing really making money and it was just so hard for me to go to like i just couldn't afford to sure. go to contest you know i mean i was like you know trying to fly or you know my friends and i would drive like me and mike champion and richard shaylander and you know like we would drive from alabama to wherever to dallas or to missouri or whatever to try to make the cut at a tour stop you know and it's like it was tough you know we we're just like broke college kids and but at a certain point it's not necessarily about the money right well no but it just makes it hard to justify continuing to go to events like when you spend everything you got and you go there and it's a qualifying round and you know it's white capping and you're skiing against carl burge right know? and it's just like i'm probably not making it through this you right. know i mean it was like you know i was just young and and it was tough uh but yeah i mean i, I did it i did it a really long time and you know i had a a lot of fun doing it and I, I was real lucky I mean from the time I was about 15 or 16 maybe uh, I started skiing with Mike Ferraro and Chet Rayleigh and Tangy Bennett that was kind of the next phase of my skiing career and those guys kind of took me under their wing and and helped me out a lot and taught me a lot and uh, you know honestly that's that's who I credit to me doing what I'm doing now because uh, like Mike and Chet and Tangy, like really taught me how to coach. So like when was it when you first really saw wakeboarding? Uh, I mean, I saw it early on. I mean, I, you know, we had a, I remember having a scurfer at Linda Giddens. But what did you, you know? what did you think about it when you first started seeing it? You no, know? I thought it was cool. I mean, I was a trick skier, you know, so 
you know, we were doing flips and stuff on a trick ski. Could you see and, then that, that this was going to be the evolution of trick skiing? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't think it early on, I didn't realize how much it was going to just really change the, the shift from skiing to wakeboarding. But, you know, I obviously saw, uh, you know, there was definitely the evolution and, and things were going next level with it. And, you know, helping guys kind of figure that out was, was really fun. I mean, um, you know, I was hanging around when the guys were putting like the first tip fins on a wakeboard. I mean, they were surf style and, Hey, let's drill a hole through the nose and put a tip fin, you know? And you're like, Oh yeah, maybe that'll work, you sure. know? Uh, and you know, so creating your own solutions. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and that was all part of, you know, too, just hanging out with Mike and Chet and those guys and, and having access to to Paul and Herb. And, you know, Paul, O'Brien, and I actually went spring break, not together. We met there for the first time to go ski with Mike when we were, like, 15, 16 years old or whatever. And we just, like, hung out for that week, you know. That was the first time I ever really met that guy. What was, what was it like hanging out like Mike Ferraro back then? You know, you're 16 years old. What's he? What? Way, way different than now. I mean, now... He's always been a troublemaker, uh, but now he's different. I mean, he's old and soft. He's pulled too many women wakeboarding, and they've beaten him down. Right. You know, they they just really, I think... He went out and got married. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I really think it was more back in the day when he was pulling, like, Emily and Dallas and Lauren Lowe and Lauren Loveless, you know, which was Lauren Harf at the time. And he, he sat in a boat with six women pretty much all day, every day, and I think they just beat him down. That's my only... It's the only thing I can think of. Made him soft, yeah. Made him soft. Made him soft. Uh, But, yeah, back in the day, I mean, it was like a real standard thing that you would just be, like, ordering your sandwich at Subway, and he would pull your pants down around your ankles. Um, Stuff like that. That's real traumatizing to a 13-year-old boy going through changes. I don't think you get away with that anymore. No, (laughs) no, I think you probably go to jail or something, you know, uh, pretty sure. But he was was always up on the pranks, and, but... uh, you know, and I, you know, I still say this. I mean, I, I still think that Mike uh, is the best wakeboard and water ski coach in the world. You know, I mean, he's he's got a different way of thinking about things, and uh, you know, he helped me out a lot as as far as to my coaching and how I look at things and how I think about things. And and now even, uh, you know, I've had a few chances in the past past year or so where people have been wanting to ride with Mike and he doesn't have a place anymore and whatever. And he's like, Hey, just go to Travis and I'll come out there. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, I've gotten to spend quite a bit of time in the boat with Mike again in the past year or so. And it's been really fun and he hasn't lost it. Uh, no. And it's always really enlightening, you know? And I mean, I, I like getting in the boat with anybody new coaching wise. Cause you know, everybody has a little different view on it and you pick up different things and, you know, even if they're saying stuff wrong, it starts, it gets your head turning and makes you think about things because it's easy just to have your one way of teaching things and you just teach it that way. Well, you know, you start getting exposed to other coaches and riders and they start, they say something differently or they're riding in a different way. I mean, if you look at to the way, like a lot of riders, like look at Massey riding right now, like his approach to the wake is way different than if you would say, 20 years ago yeah well on paper it doesn't really on paper it doesn't really make sense and coaching wise you know i look i look at massey i look at like steel lafferty and i'm like these guys are cutting in you know back in the day you'd, on a toe side edge you'd be cutting at the wake 
like against the rope, standing tall or something like that. And these guys are bent, crouched over, yeah. chest over, over the water, not over the board. It's just it always blows my mind. Yeah. But it's you wouldn't have let them do it. Right. Twenty years ago, you wouldn't have let them do it. You're like, I don't care if you're making that trick or not. You can't ride like that. Right. You know. So it's uh, it's always fun just to get different people around and just kind of open your eyes to the way things can be done because you know it's not it's not cookie cutter i mean everybody has things i definitely think there's a ton of common threads that uh lead to success wakeboarding but there's also you know different ways to get to it sure well you know one of the cool things is you've kind of carved a niche for yourself within the industry also i mean you're a bit of a personality boat driver at the end of the day, you know, and, and that's one of the things I believe, you know, like you and me have in common, you know, people are putting together an event and they need they know they need a boat driver. You're probably going to be the first name that they think about and then they're going to call you and you're going to tell them a price that's probably crazy and they're going to be like, oh, we can't afford it. And you're going to be like, oh, well, then let me recommend one of my guys to come out there. I mean, I, I, obviously you're at that point of your career and I and I hope to maybe one day be there too. But you know, I once again, you know, I did a little research before coming out here. I've known you for a long time, but going back to reading the stories, those early days back in 2002, one of the parts of your story you you left out was that the riders were asking for you. They wanted you as the boat driver. You know, they they were the ones who were speaking. You know, I've read articles. You know, boat riders saying, you know, we want to ride behind Travis. You know, Travis is pretty much the only guy that holds the line, who holds the speed. You know that everybody is going to be getting the same exact thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of me doing it, and, you know, I'm if I do something, I do it 100%. I, don't, I really don't do anything in my life half-ass. If I'm going to do it half-ass, I just won't do it. And uh, like I said, just me growing up skiing, you know, I know I would go down to the dock and there would be guys that would be sitting in the boat that I would be like, oh, thank God. Like Tommy Harrington sitting in the boat, you know, or whoever it was. And I would just be like, it just, I would just be relaxed instantly. So, you know, I wouldn't be thinking about, I'm not thinking about the boat. I'm thinking about what I'm doing on the water. And that was my main goal. And it still is today. And that's whether I'm driving a contest or I'm driving here at the camp, you know, uh, and that's what I tell everybody who drives a boat. You should be trying, your goal should be to where the rider never has to think about what's going on in the boat. They shouldn't have to worry about if the wake's right, the speed's right, you're holding the right line, whatever. They should just only be thinking about what they're doing behind the boat. And that's what sets a good driver apart, too. You know, a guy like you, you can probably, you listen to the, the engine, you, you know if it's running right. You can see that wake as it's forming, if it's going to be right or not. And, you know, and, and, you're aware of everything that that's around you and i guess that's what comes along with all of the years of of experience of what you've done yeah um so yeah i mean that like i said i mean that was my main goal and you know i'm not saying i was always perfect and but if if i was doing something wrong you know if i if the speed was slow or i was too far from a rail or too close to a rail or you know the double up was messed up or you know whatever it was i mean you drive about eight or ten hours a day you're probably gonna mess up once or twice right you know, and that, you know, that was one incredible thing, like always working with Bish is I'd say, I'd be like, hey, man, I was slow or I was this or I'd whatever. And I would say it as it was happening. So there'd never be any question. Like somebody would be cutting into the wake and I'd be like, I'm slow, I'm slow or I'm too far. You know, so I would just I would say I'm not scared to say I messed up. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing about you is that you're I've seen you. I've only seen this happen a handful of times, but 
you know, where some drivers might have too much pride and be like, no, 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 that wasn't me. You're the, you're the kind of guy who said, you know what, this time I was five feet away from five feet further past that rail. And you know what, this guy deserves that re-ride. Because ultimately, you're one of those guys that gets to make that decision, right? Yeah. And well, I mean, Bish, Bish was awesome because he always gave that to me. He goes, well, it's, you know, you're in the boat. He's like, I'm not in the boat. You know, you know, you have the ultimate call on that. And, you know... Like I said, I mean, the, the last thing I want to do is for somebody to go home at the end of the day and feel like they didn't ride as well as they wanted to or place as well as they don't wanted to because of something I did. Sure. I like, I don't want that on my shoulders, you yeah. know? And I mean, I, I can tell you like, I mean, Parks parks messes around with me all, all the time that like I overturned a double up at OWC at the Worlds one year when he was doing double half cabs and he went for it and it's like if anybody's ever driven a double up at OWC you know it's near impossible and they right. don't they don't even do it anymore like with the bigger boats and stuff there's like we're not doing that it's dumb no need uh and so you'd really you know be going going around the kicker spraying the crowd straighten up for half a second turn before the weenie line chop the throttle before you hit the dock in the center like i mean it was just hold your mouth just right you know there's, there's like a lot going on a lot going on hey just throwing this out there though that parks double half cab roll you're talking about he rode away from it. He just kind of sketched out. I don't remember. I just saw a video of it on, on Wakeboarding Hall of Fame yesterday. I don't remember, but all I know is that if he would have made it or done better or whatever, he would have won the right. Worlds. Oh, yeah. And he never won the Worlds. Of all the titles he won, he never won the Worlds. And so, we like, need to bring him back for uh, Pro Vets. <laughs> he'll still mess with me, be like, oh, that double up at OWC. And I'm like, I know, I know. But it's like, you know, if he had not gone for it, we could have given him a re-ride. He decided to go for it right well, that's just you know, parks but you know like i he still thinks about it i st- like i know it happened i knew what happened at the time i mean i was like crap like you know and you're just like off by just like yeah. a centimeter just like a hair insane but you know i mean that's one thing is you know i just don't ever want anybody to feel slighted because of what i was doing in the boat i i know that there's got to be times in your career where you wish that you probably had like some some hedge clippers in the boat so you could just cut somebody's rope off who are like the undesirable who have been some like undesirable riders in contests and because you know outside obviously there's a lot of pressure in these contests and to some people let it get to them some people deal in different ways who have been some riders you pull up to the dock and you're just like oh come on yeah well back in the day i mean i I just said this in an article or something like uh, Rob Struherrick, Hark, uh, you know, he was really good, really good rider, super nice guy. And he was just super intense riding, like crazy and like overly intense, you know. And he just always had these random requests, you know. You'd be pulling off the dock and going to the left to start. And he'd be like, hey, can we, can I, we go to the right? Can I start my first pass going to the right? I'm like, no, you can't start your first pass going to the right. Like, Every other person is going left. I'm not doing it. And he would just look at you like you're an idiot. Just like, like crazy requests. Yeah. And I'm like, what? He'd be like, can you go on the other side of that rail? I'm like, no, I cannot go on the other side of the rail. Like, what are you even talking about right now? Uh, and then obviously, like, you know, I've been very open about this. I mean, Phil, Phil's not fun to pull. Uh, I, and I've never pulled him free riding. Um, so I can't say what he's like pulling free riding. You know, contest, he's he's not fun to pull, man. He He's really good, was the best guy in the world for a long time. Uh, 
and he just he he complains a lot and he puts off a he puts off a bad vibe you yeah. know i think Com- he's working on it now com- i think competing. he's kind of becoming a little bit more aware well, he but... should, i mean he should I, I hope so yeah you know and like phil off the water i see him and you know is is whatever phil on the water i just i wasn't into it you know and you can't take away how talented he is and you know all the stuff that he was the first guy to do whatever and how much he won and just how straight up stone cold he was you know the ice man <laughs> dude like if somebody would kill it that just means he was going to kill it that much more like you it know, had to be exciting to have have him ride behind the boat but yeah there's no doubt that when phil doesn't land he'll he'll, he'll land a trick but if he doesn't land it the way that he wants you're gonna see a finger fly up or yeah. you know a hand fly up and and it just i mean that it just makes it where it's not fun in the boat and you know that's like i said i mean that's my pretty much my number one priority you know in life is like i just want to do things that are more fun than less fun right so uh you're doing things that are less fun i'm probably not a fan how about this you're pulling up to the dock and i know you this is thousands of thousands of times you've pulled up hundreds of thousands of times you've pulled up to the dock in a contest and there's this rider and i don't have anybody in particular right now that i'm thinking of but you've pulled him hundreds of contests over his career yet can never have his boots on in time. He can never oh, have his God. rope wound. You're pulling, you're, you're like a knot again. You just had one at the last event. That's Who is a, that? That's also Phil. <laughs> that that happens to be Phil as well. Uh, you know, I mean, I say, I say they all do it. I mean, Rusty, Ollie, my man Ollie. I love Ollie Rome. He's the nicest dude in the world, and he's honestly, he's one of my favorite riders to watch, especially contest wise, because I feel like he does some different stuff and. Uh, I mean, Ollie, you would pull up, and he just, he's not even thinking about it. Right. He's, like, just sitting there, no boots on, just taking it super easy. And, you know, I mean, I get everybody's trying to get the best conditions they can, but at the same time, everybody. So they're doing it on purpose. Oh, 100%. Well, you know, I grew up show skiing, so we, you lose points if you're rope. You know, you you are on a time schedule, which I know in contests we're on a time schedule, too, but, you know, in, in show skiing, if you go off and there's, you're in the middle of a show and the boat takes off then you're number two off the dock and if you have a rope you're you're killing the flow yeah and you're gonna lose points you know well, i was the same i mean i grew up water skiing and if i don't care it could be the most backwoods amateur class c water ski tournament in the world and if you weren't on the dock ready they would scratch you in a heartbeat and then in wakeboarding for some reason you're at the pro tour or the world championships like the only place that didn't have much, uh, not much, like zero tolerance for that would be like the X Games. Um, Where you're on television. Yeah. But anything else, like you go to any other event and a guy could sit there and stall kind of as long as he wanted to until either one of us in the boat started saying it was ridiculous or Bish was just like, you know, screaming at the radio, like, what's going on? Now, before the boarding school, you worked as a coach at Ride the Spot, correct? Yeah. So. It's been a while since Ride the Spot's been around, so can you talk a little bit about what that experience was all about and who, who you worked with there? Yeah. Uh, well, when I grew, grew up, I don't want to say grew up, but, you know, I, I lived in West Palm, and like I said, I was working with Chet and Mike, and uh, at the end there, Chet had, Chet Rayleigh had one lake, and Darren had the other lake. Um, and then there were just these two little lakes in the middle of nowhere, little sand pits, and... Uh, 
somebody ended up buying the property and we got booted out of there and had nowhere to go and you know chet was kind of i was mainly working for chet and you know he didn't wasn't sure what he was going to do and worried about making money and whatever and he's you know like look i can't really help you out too much anymore i don't know what i'm going to do myself and so i started working with darren and you know lived with him for a while and we were out on lake osborne in south florida uh I guess the statute of limitations probably passed. We're out at Okahili, uh, just having every water skier hate us so much. Um, you know, pulling people and just uh, mainly all local people down there. You know, it was, it was really just mainly all locals. I mean, we would get people that came in and flew in and would stay a little while, but ton of locals. Uh, and then uh, we actually came up here to visit Sean. Sean had just got in his house that he's in still in on whippoorwill and just like saw the area and the lakes and whatever and we're like man this is awesome up here so darren ended up buying a house uh on lake mary jane and uh so we ended up starting a place out there and i I originally was going to call it the spot and then i went to go get the email address which was like at AO, I think it might have been Web TV. I'm not even kidding. It was like the spot at webtv.net. And it was already taken. And so I was like, oh, crap, ride the spot. So that's how that came about. And so you and Darren are working together. So this is you and Darren at the time working yeah. together. Yeah. So are you and Darren, you guys are pretty close still or? No, no. Uh, we, you know, we worked together and lived together and uh, for a while. And uh, you know, it's one of those things like businesses with friends don't always work out. Sure. Uh, and they end up taking a toll on the friendship. And that was one of those things, you know, having, being business partners with him did not work out. Uh, and we ended up going our separate ways. And uh, that's when I ended up, you know, working with Sean. So this is around 2003, yeah, and this, then this you and like, Sean decide that you're going to open up the boarding school. Yeah, this is kind of like summer 2003. Hey, we're going to stop the conversation right there for just one moment so I can talk about the presenting sponsor of the Golden Mike podcast, CDEC. CDEC non-skid closed-cell EVA products offers safe and comfortable alternatives to molded-in non-skid paint-on textures and other marine traction products. What this means to you is heaven on your feet and no more stinky, damp carpet in your boat. SeaDeck is employee-owned and made in the USA. Right here in Florida, in fact. SeaDeck is UV-protected, non-absorbent foam, and features an innovative, textured micro-dot surface for enhanced non-slip characteristics. SeaDeck offers hundreds of standard patterns for anything from kayaks and paddle boards to fishing boats, wake boats, and just about anything you can think of. If it's something a bit more custom you're looking for, SeaDeck can facilitate just about any idea you can think of. In fact, I've got a buddy who just SeaDecked out his custom airboat, and the thing looks sick. Check out SeaDeck.com for more info on everything SeaDeck. Again, that's SeaDeck.com. And now back to the Golden Mike podcast with my special guest, Travis Moy. So uh, how did the how did the whole boarding school thing start with you and Sean? Sean and I talk you know sean had talked about wanting to start like a school or something a little bit 
And he used to come over and ride with us all the time because it was like 10 minutes away. And so he'd come over, we'd go over there or whatever. And uh, we had talked and I knew it was something he was kind of interested in. And, and, you know, Sean and I were friends. You know, if you know Sean Murray, you know what kind of guy he is. And uh, so I called Sean to talk to him about if it was something he'd be interested in. And at the time is when he was doing his backyard tour and driving his bus across country and, and helping, you know, doing clinics all across the country and uh he was like yeah he's like i'd i'd be into that like let's talk so we met up the first time i saw him was at the x games uh at marine stadium and so we started you know we were talking on the phone and and we got there and started talking about it and we're like you know uh or actually it was it was the gravity games i remember this the gravity games when they used to have those so we decided we were going to do it. We put a post on Wake World saying, hey, we're going to start a camp. The next morning, uh, we had like a lot like a lot of emails. And we're like, oh, man, we don't have a website. We don't have a house. We don't have anything. So I called my buddy Ronnie Romero. Uh, he was a student of mine and just got to be really good friends. And he's a guy from Nebraska. He's good friends with... Kyle Albert, videographer, videographer, done a couple of good movies out there. Up dog, yeah, global warning, yeah. So uh, I called Ronnie, and he's like, a, you know, did websites and stuff. We're like, hey man, we need a website. He's like, all right, I'll have you one in the morning. So we woke up next morning, and he had just had like stock photos he had found online and whatever, and had a website, like pretty basic, but like four page website with information on it. And so we're like, oh crap, we need a house. So I started looking, you know, where we we're going to do things and whatever. And that's how we ended up down there in the alligator chain. And, uh, you know, it was, it was real organic and it, it was crazy and it, but it all worked out. Like, you know, our first week of students, we didn't have carpet in the house. Like we were that, you know, redid that house in that time frame, And, you know, literally it was just concrete floors. And do you have any like reservations at all starting this thing with Murray after, you know, having the experience after with ride the spot? No, uh, I really didn't. I mean, you know, like I said, if you if you know Sean Murray, you know, uh, you know Sean Murray, and uh, and going into business, you guys obviously, I mean, probably after going into your second, you know, uh, wakeboard school, I'm I'm assuming at this point, you've probably learned some lessons, and you probably get stuff probably put down in writing, and have a better idea of what the goals are moving forward. We didn't have anything in writing. Uh, we never had anything in writing, honestly. Um, it was just a very, very different situation. Very different, two very different people and a uh, very different situation. And, uh, you know, Sean and I, you know, we just split up a couple years ago now. And, but it was just all different things were happening. OWC was acquiring cable parks and uh, they wanted him to be more of a face and voice of that kind of stuff. And, you know, this is understandable. To- totally understandable. If you got a face and voice of anything in wakeboarding, Sean Murray should be real high on the list of yes. who that's going to be. Uh, very few people you could ever, you, you can't put anybody above him. You might be able to put some people beside him, but you couldn't put people above him. And uh, so part of the deal is like, well, it was just such a conflict in their eyes of him being out here and I have a Mastercraft and he has an Autique. And, you know, uh, I thought at one point though you guys were running both. We did, we, yeah, we did, but, you know, Sean, uh, especially the last few years, like, Sean would only work, like, a couple weeks a month, 
And so the other weeks it was just all me and, you know, obviously I'm just running my boat and whatever. And so everything social media wise, student wise and all just came off pretty heavy Mastercraft. And, you know, Nautique really didn't see any way around it. And honestly, there probably wasn't a way around it, Uh, you know, and I went and met with those guys with Sean. We tried to talk it out and just kind of didn't, we didn't really see a solution without, you know, me switching to Nautique or something like that. And, uh, you know, Sean and I decided to split up and, you know, it was honestly one of those things. We were business partners for 10 years and we were best friends and we finished our business 10 years later and still best friends. It's cool. You know, and I mean, still to this day, we're like, man, maybe we should just count our blessings, you know, like, because it doesn't always go that way. And, you know, uh, just count our blessings. And I mean, Sean's still, you know, Sean's, you know, still one of my best friends. He's who my family and I'd, you know, do a ton of like, if we're going to do a little getaway or we're going to do, you know, stuff to get, you know, he's. They're they're the on on the short list of who we're gonna call first. All right, this is gonna be a fun one for you. Crazy rituals, and I I know that you've seen this. Um, Ali Jerome is a good example of crazy rituals. I don't know if you've ever seen him warm up before he rides, but he does a bunch of like crazy jumps and yeah. weird stretches and stuff. After all of this time in your position. There's got to be one in your mind that sticks out. Andrew Atkinson. What is it? Andrew will not let people touch his handle. He will not shake hands. He don't want sunscreen. Like, he's got logic to it. Like, he don't want sunscreen on his hands. He doesn't want somebody to grab his handle with sunscreen on it. So all day long, he's going around fist bumping people. And on the dock, he's just, like, managing his rope like a crazy person. And, I mean, I... I tell this story, like, I watched it happen one time. We were at a tour stop, and he would just be doing everything he could not to let the dock starter get a hold of his rope and handle. And, you know, he would do this thing. He'd be holding the the rope, and he dips the handle in the water, and he pops it up to his hand, and, he like, he would do it until it was just right. Like, it would, he got the right pop he wanted. And he's sitting there, like, doing it, and he, like, is putting on his bindings, and the dock starter just full on like double palmed his handle. And I just watched Andrew fully unravel like mentally. Like he didn't, he don't think he said anything. He didn't really react in any certain way. Like he wasn't mad or whatever. I just watched behind his eyes crumble. You, you recall how he rode that day? I, I really don't. <laughs> I don't. I wish I did. Uh, but I mean, I just, I can, I just remember seeing and I, like everybody in the book, cause we all knew, you know, his deal and just sitting there and watching that I was like oh my god this kid you, know, you almost like you almost like throw the dock starter a couple extra bucks and be like hey if you actually can touch the handle I'll give you a $20 spot <laughs> oh, easy I, I thought about it I think I could probably do a whole episode of this podcast just about rituals and yeah stuff, I mean know? Rusty like Rusty has a super similar thing he does every like he listens to music I think Rusty's and, ritual is to stay up in the announcer's tower until one rider if I was a dock starter I'd be so frustrated with Rusty because sometimes I'm announcing and I'm like Russ you're up next yeah and what are you doing here like yeah and I know if I ran from the announcer's tower to the dock to get into my boots I would be winded so I, I, I don't know I'm just saying this maybe I'm wrong I think he's probably in a little better shape than you are yeah 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 yeah. maybe yeah, a little definitely, definitely. Uh, but like he does this thing like he's listening to music and he has to have a swig of water before he goes and then he wraps his earphones around his phone the same way 
and like tucks them in a pocket and gives a jacket to a person. Like I don't know if he's like, still doing. He used to do the ink. He used to wrap his ankles like an MMA fighter. Oh. <laughs> that was always good. Yeah, but I mean, he's definitely got a whole little like a whole little spiel that he goes through. And I mean, he was one. I remember we're in Reno and a uh, it was before his first pass and a rail broke loose because of the wind, and I had to stop him at the end, and he was yelling at me. And I'm like, there's a, the rail's breaking loose, like it's breaking loose. And he's, he was like, it was the first tour stop he won and he had been killing it. And he had, in his mind, he was doing the same thing every time. Right. And so he's sinking down in the water and he's yelling at me. He goes, you're effing me, you're effing me. And I'm like, Rusty, the, the rail's breaking loose. Like it's, it's not gonna be there. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. And he's like, you're effing me. I'm like, I can't go. And so I called Bish and I go, hey, Rusty's losing it. I'm like, he, he says, he and Rusty's like, I don't care. I don't need to hit the rail. And I called Bish. I go, hey, look, he's freaking out. He said he don't want to hit the rail. He goes, Bish's like, he don't want to hit the rail. Fine, go. Pull through. You know, and so I pulled through, and he stood up, and that was the first contest he won. Insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Uh, let me ask you, how do you, like, feel about parents on the dock? Oh, I hate parents on the dock. I hate uh Coaches significant others i hate coaches on the dock you got no place being on that dock like why why because you're super annoying uh, parents have no okay i'm very outspoken about parents uh before i work with any kid you know even for a week but especially if i know i'm going to be working with a kid over a long period of time i have a full talk with parents before i ever get started and and tell them the way the things have to be and if they can't be that way, then I don't want them here. And, you know, parents get so crazy, uh, you know, about their kids. And, I mean, I get it. You know, I've got kids now, and you want your kids to do well, and they're investing a ton of time and a, even more money, uh, you know, and they think they know a little bit about it. Uh, and, you know, they're just they're, they're overly invested in it. Um, you know, and it usually doesn't work out in the kids' favor. Sure. You know, and, and it's just like, I'm not saying you can't be supportive because that's, you know, I was very lucky my whole life to have parents that were, you know, overly supportive. But like the second I wasn't having fun or, you know, it got too intense or whatever, they shut it down. I mean, I remember there being days at the lake because I was just, you know, I was wanting to do well and I'd be getting mad and frustrated. And, you know, my mom or dad would be like, this isn't fun for me. This isn't fun for me. Like, you sitting here complaining, like, I could be home right now doing whatever, you know, and they would shut it down. Well, you know, it's like you get parents now that, you know, they're just so crazy about their kid and yelling at people and, you know, yelling at their kid. And, you know, I just don't feel like there's, I don't feel like there's any place for that really in, uh, in any sport, you know. And then, you know, wakeboarding, there's so little money to be made. That like if you're doing it for any other reason than to have fun and for your kids to have different experiences than they would normally have and to be able to travel and be Make with their the friends, you know, then you're doing it for the wrong reason, you know, because there's very few people that, you know, make as a writer, make a living out of it. I mean, sure, there's tons of guys that transition to working for a boat company or a board company or whatever it is. and Maybe an announcer. Maybe an announcer. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of different ways to get at it in this industry, but, like, as far as being a pro rider, I mean, 
you can list the name of guys that have done it successfully and are going to be able to retire. Right. You know, right. and then there's hundreds of other kids that they just went back to work for their dad or went to school or do well, whatever. Here's the question. How do you deal? Okay. You've got a parent. You told them you've sat them down. They know how it works. You, you, you've explained it all, you know, um, but they come at you maybe passive aggressively uh, talking to you or at you and they know they know what you're about and you know they have an idea of their child's level of riding and wh where they should be and what they should be working on an example realistically if if you can cut at the wake and do a double wake jump really really well with enough coaching you can probably learn the back roll before you learn a wake to wake 180 i mean it's yeah. it's a reality but the the fact is that's not the way that's not the way to progress. But yeah. but parents, I, the amount of times that I've been paid to just go out and teach a kid how to do a, a flip on a Trixie, you know, I've had a parent tell me, stop, you take the money and go teach my kid a flip. Yeah. You know? I don't like to do it, but at a certain point, sometimes I need the money. But, you know, how do you, obviously, I'm not teaching, you know, future, you know, future stars of the sport either. You know, yeah. how do you how do you deal with these, the passive aggressiveness of, of some of the parents? Uh, I just I shut it down real early. And I mean, that's why I have that talk before, because if you don't if you haven't had that talk, when you go to shut it down, it's incredibly awkward. And I've had that happen. And it's still awkward, even if you've had the talk. I mean, I. I've looked at parents. I mean, I, I had one situation here a couple of years ago that a parent, it was, it was on a Friday and everybody else was wrapping up and getting ready to go to the airport and these people weren't flying out. And so I was just in the, in the boat with a kid and the kid's mom and then her boyfriend. And all day long, they were just making little comments under their breath and, you know, whatever. And finally, it was just, just us in the boat and the kid said something and... They just went off. And so I just, we got up, and they're just over there mumbling between them about the kid not doing whatever, and by their own admission, like he had learned a couple tricks that day, by their own admission, this is the best he had ever ridden in his life, and they still wanted more. Right. And they were quarreling about it, and the kid was eight. And I looked at him, and I told him to shut up. I told two grown parents, like they were probably old, my age or older, and I looked straight at him, and I go, shut up. And I'm like, I can't, you know, be in control of what happens at your house, but here it doesn't happen. It's not going to happen in my boat. It's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen, period. And, you know, it got super awkward, obviously, and they pretty much sat in silence and didn't say anything and got off the boat and left. And, you know, the next, I think it was that night even, the, the mom sent me an email thanking me. And... You know, she's like, I, I know I have a hard time. Because she told me in the morning I'm going to have a hard time doing that. And that kid is Harley Clifford. <laughs> I'm, just joking. I'm just joking. But did uh, he come back? I don't think I've ever told Sharon to shut up, uh, <laughs> mainly because I'm scared of Bill. Right, right. You know, like Bill would probably just put me in a headlock and exactly. have his way with me. But uh, They hadn't. I can't say as they have. I, I don't know if the kid still rides. Uh I'm sure it was a good life lesson, though, in general. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, man. Like I said, I, I just, I don't, I have zero tolerance for it, um, you know, and I've been real lucky that the parents of kids I've worked with for long periods of time, like, get it. You know, they're super supportive and maybe even overly supportive, you know. Uh, but being overly supportive is 
not a bad thing being, you know, the crazy wakeboard parent and yelling at kids for not doing things or yelling at a coach for not making them try something, you know, is, uh, that's a whole different story. Absolutely. All right. We're, we're winding down here. I know you got to get back to work soon. So, um, I want to talk about one of the companies that you've been loyal to for as long as I can remember. And on the other end, they've been loyal to you as well. Mastercraft Boats, um, over the years, the faces have changed with, within the brand, um, but some of the mainstays, Zane Schwank, Parks Bonifay, yourself, um, you guys have been there. You've been there through the transitions. How has the brand changed, and has it been for the better or the worse? First, I mean, Mastercraft has been incredible to me for, you know, 15-plus years now. Um, and, you know, that was me when I started working with Darren. He was with Malibu. And I was a Mastercraft and was working with Sean. He's Craigcraft and I'm Mastercraft. And, you know, they've they've never, you know, we really saw that as an issue. And, you know, they believed in me. And it's like all the guys, there have been a few guys that have, have left there. But, like, ultimately the guys that were in charge of the team and stuff believed in me and saw value in what I was doing. Um, you know, and as far as how things have changed, I mean, I think, you know, when I first started – Mastercraft was so invested in the Pro Tour that they wanted all their riders to be top, you know, if they could have had the top five guys on the Pro Tour, they would have picked all top five guys, and they would have been like, we've got the winningest team, you know. Um, And definitely in the past few years, there's just been a transition shift to where, you know, they don't care if you're the best guy in the world. They want you to do what you do well and if you do that, you're going to be happy and you're going to end up moving the needle while people selling boats. I mean, like, you know, Par- Parks is a prime example. Parks doesn't ride that much anymore. Parks is still one of our most valuable guys because he's incredibly personable. He's the nicest guy in the world. He still loves the sport of wakeboarding. And he's going to be at a ton of places being Parks, you know, and, and there's real value in that, you know, and. We still have the best guy in the world. We still have Harley. Uh, we still have Rusty, Shoda, Steele, um, Tony. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that are, you know, still super competitive. And, you know, I'm not going to say, not going to say, they obviously like that. They love having the best guys. But, you know, it's gotten to be where it's more of a culture of having guys that are the best at what they're doing as opposed to just the best rider or just the best skier or whatever. And, I mean, that's like I'm a prime example. You know, they they believe in the camp and they believe in me and they know I'm going to help them out with things. And so, you know, they've invested in me because of that. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things like with the way things are with me and MasterCraft now, you know, three years ago now it became the boarding school presented by MasterCraft. And they helped me with a ton of things. And, you know, literally when – that happened and I was sitting down, you know, reading the things that they were going to help me with and support and whatever. I literally sat at my computer and cried, you know, and to me, it was, to me, it was winning the Super Bowl. It was, you know, everything that I'd strive for, uh, as a person, as a business, they validated all that. So no matter how many crappy years I had or, uh, you know, hardships or whatever, not making money or, you know, whatever, like 
them putting their stamp of approval on me and saying that Travis is our guy and the boarding school is our place, uh, and that's going to be our main priority as far as camps and stuff go, to me, it validated everything, every long day I'd ever spent, every thing I'd sacrifice, whatever, it, it validated that for me. Uh, and just the same even, you know, with like Brooks. Brooks Wilson, who I've coached and skiing for, for me here, he's an incredible psalm skier. He's not the best skier in the world, and, you know, he's only going to ski a few tournaments ever probably, but he's an incredible coach. He's an incredible personality. He gives really good feedback on product, and they see a value in that. You know, and it's like it's not about being the best guy in the world. It's about bringing value to the team. Right. You know, and, and that w- that's what I would say it is the biggest shift. And, you know, obviously that's a better shift. I mean, because the best guys behind the boat aren't always the best guys. You got an awesome relationship with, uh, with a great boat brand, and you also have a really good relationship with, um, with, a good, with, with one of the best uh, brands when it comes to gear as well, uh, Ronix and Radar, right? Yeah. What's the, what's the whole uh, partnership with them or deal with them? Um, well, you know, all our, all our gear provide, is provided to us here through performance, actually. Uh, so Performance Ski and Surf for a long time has been a big supporter of mine, and uh, I used to have Hyperlite. Even before I was with Sean, I had Hyperlite. Uh, and that was because I had a, I used to ski for HO when I was a kid and older. And so I'd always known Paul and her my whole life, and that's who I liked and wanted to be with. And, uh, you know, so uh, Bill used to provide Hyperlite stuff for me. But to do that, you know, he's ordering a ton of stuff at, like, a discounted rate and whatever, and they got to check off on that. You know, they're not just going to let you order $30,000 worth of gear for demo yeah uh and so you know paul and herb always okayed that and then uh you know when i started working with murray we still did hyperlite and then paul and herb left and did you know ronix radar and i still was just kind of doing hyperlite stuff with murray and then uh you know i just kind of wanted to reach out and branch out and do something different and uh i genuinely believed in the product more than I did any other board company and you know same now any other ski company uh and those are the people if that I want to talk to and I want to work with you know and and um you know I hope we can continue that relationship and a lot of that's you know same as Ferraro's still there and I get to yell at Ferraro some which is always fun and you know get to talk to Paul and uh you know Jason and Eddie Roberts, you know, I mean, all that stuff. I've known those guys my entire life, you know. And, sure, it's and, like, I'm, sh- and I'm sure they appreciate the feedback. I mean, you're putting people, if, if somebody doesn't bring a board out here or a ski out here, I mean, you're setting them up on the gear. You're, you're getting the feedback from from the majority of the people who are actually buying the gear. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we get to test a lot of stuff and say, this works, this doesn't work, or this isn't holding up, or, you know, whatever. So just, you know, in the same stuff doing for mastercraft like product validation you know it's easy you know there's no place it is going to be more or less validating for a product than being here and getting used eight to ten hours a day every day and have all different levels you know beginner intermediate pro you know whatever using all those things you, you get to really see what works and doesn't work pretty quickly very good trav i'm gonna let you get out of here in just a second before i do that i want to get a good Travis Moy story. 
on the road. Oh. I know. Dig deep in there, man. Just man. I, I, you got so many of them, dude. And over the years, the dinners and you know the times I've got to sit in the boat. I know you've got one in there. Oh God. I mean, realistically, I could probably just throw a name out there, and you you'll have something I mean, good that about that. Might, might be better. I don't know. <laughs> How about some Zane Schwank shenanigans? Because I'm looking forward to to eventually having Zane here on the on the podcast. He's been around for so long. I'm sure you guys have run around together. Zane, Zane and I have run around for a long time, and Zane, you know, same. Zane is one of my best friends and my biggest supporters. He's done everything he can uh, to support me personally and as a business for a long time i mean when you know this is this is a story i tell about zane because you know zane's note is insane zane uh and i was you know i was friendly with zane friends with zane he wasn't one of my best friends and uh my dad got diagnosed with cancer a long time ago now and zane at the time had a plane and you know his pilot's license and stuff and he just called me out of the blue and he said hey you know, I heard about your dad. You ever need to get up there in a hurry, you call me, you let me know, I'll get you there. And he was one of the first people to reach out to me. And like I said, he wasn't one of my best friends. He was somebody I knew well from the tour. And he reached out and did that, and it really it really stuck out to me. And so, like, I always tell that about Zane because people think he's just crazy, which he is. Yeah. Uh, Zane can do anything. I don't care what it is. Uh, a physical activity, it might not look the best, he will get it done and make it happen, and he could be in several stages of inebriation, maybe, yeah. and still make that happen. Uh, so I've had a lot of fun with Zane, uh, you know. But the the year that Zane retired, he was going to every tour stop, and he was beat up. I mean, his lower back and back were just—I mean, he was taped up from his butt to his shoulders every day, and walking around like a crippled old man, and. You know, uh, we would be at a tour stop. I'd pull up to the dock, and like the the last tour stop he rode in Knoxville, he just came down to the dock. He goes, I don't care how many times I fall. He's just like, don't let that jet ski come and pick me up. He's like, you at least got to let me ride back to the dock. I'm like, done, buddy. You know, and uh, so I just, you know, and he did that a couple times. There was like a couple times he did his first pass and like fell, and he'd just be like, uh, flag me over and most guys they flag me over to come pick him up to go to the dock keep swimming buddy i'm giving them the finger <laughs> i'm not even like i'm not even looking I'm, I'm like a dog in trouble like i'm not even looking their way you know and zane does that i'm gonna whip that boat over there and throw him on the back he can take as much time as he wants to i don't know that's kind of the crazy story you're looking for uh it's all good man this feel good story yeah for sure, yeah, yeah for sure all right trav um any any plans big plans coming into summer of 2016 uh, yeah, we're just, you know, continuing to grow things here. Um, I've actually got a kid that is moving in, uh, to live here starting next week. Uh, be my first like legit, like live in guide where I've got just handling a ton of stuff for me and it's going to allow, you know, me to focus on the business more and help out Scott and relieve some pressure from him and Jake and, and do some stuff like that. And, you know, we're just, Right now, we're at the phase that we're just are always working on the property. We're always working on the house. We're always working on the experience. And we're trying to make this place feel more like a resort and less like a wakeboard camp uh, to where, you know, your time off the water is, is just as 
fun and nice as your time on the water. Uh, and that's just like our whole goal, man. We just want this, like, you know, I literally want this place to where there's never a question to go anywhere else. So people are like, where are you going to wayward camp? Where are you going to water ski? They're like the boarding school, obviously, you know, and, uh, I know there's a lot of good guys out there doing good jobs and I'm not trying to take away from that or say they're not. I just, you know, we're, we're all, you know, I got a really little group of guys out here, but everybody gets it. And, you know, that's what we're all striving for is just to have the very best of everything here. And, you know, if we do that, we're, you know, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to have fun and we're going to continue to be able to get people in this industry that, might not have a chance or might not have a job, a chance or a job. You guys are on your way there, man. Almost yeah. at almost at a hundred percent, right? <laughs> almost there. We're getting there. All right, sponsor plugs or family shout outs, anything like that? Uh you know, sponsor plugs, Mastercraft, always. Uh the crew up there, like Josh Shave, Aaron Clow, Jason Bourget, uh, you know, they're they're incredible. I mean those are like my men on the ground up there and they always they always give me everything I need to survive. Uh, you know, personal-wise, you know, obviously my my wife, man, has been so incredible. I mean, Kristen's like, she put up with a lot, and I work a lot of days, and I work a lot of long hours, and I used to travel a ton. And, you know, that girl, man, she's such a good girl. I mean, I, you know, without her, I would just be a guy that drives a boat. You know, and with her, I'm I'm a lot more than that, and she allows me to be a lot more than that, and gives me a lot of feedback and vision, and you know, inspiration, just because she's freaking awesome, man. And then saying my little girls, man, if you would have told me how in love I was gonna be with two little girls, I don't know if I'd have believed you, but you know, they're without Kristen and the girls, I'm just like I said, I'm just a dude that drives a boat, man. Man, you got it all, dude. You got your hands full. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a good, it's a beautiful thing. Um, websites, social media. Uh, everything's just the boarding school. Theboardingschool.com. Our Instagram is the boarding school at the boarding school. Our Facebook is the boarding school. You're you're pretty active on Instagram though, under your personal account. Is that private or is that? Yeah, I keep it private. Uh, it's one of those things. I, I put up a ton of pictures of my kids. It's mainly pictures of my kids. Um, you know, so I see you on there though, commenting no, on the, on no. the photos. I, 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 I like to do a lot of comments. I'm I'm a I'm a Weisenheimer, you know. Uh, so I like to make a lot of comments. But yeah, just I keep my thing personal, just mainly for my family. And it's like you know, I put stuff up that I use that for my friends and family to see what I'm doing with my family. So it's the boarding school. Yeah, boardingschool.com. So the boarding school, uh, and the same, you know. If you're not on Snapchat, we've really been picking up our Snapchat game lately, and it's the same. It's just boarding school, because uh, that was like as long as you could have the title. But uh, I mean, I really love that because it allows me to be an idiot, and it allows people to see more than just like a perfect picture. Because put up all these pictures, and they're real, they're daily, a perfect picture of the lakes. Well, you're on Snapchat, you get to see what's really going on, what people are working on. You get to I, see if it's for real when you when you're going around telling everybody that. 99% of the time you find glass water here yeah. at uh, the boarding school. You It's yeah. reality. Yeah, we could we could take a picture right now and <laughs> here we'll we'll do that so this can be validated. But uh 
So right now, just finishing the Golden Mike podcast, we're talking about how perfect this place is, and just right there. So when you listen to this, you'll know this was really happening. Yeah, beautiful. Trav, man, you, you got it going on over here, and you've, you've, you've carved it out for yourself. You've done a great job. One of the hardest working guys I know, and uh, I just appreciate you, and I appreciate uh, everything you've done for the sport, and I appreciate you for having me out here and being on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure, man. It was fun. C4 belts are the newest wakeboarding accessory to hit the market. Made of premium TPE thermoplastic, C4 belts are waterproof and backed by a lifetime guarantee. Available in multiple colors and designs, C4 allows you to mix and match straps and buckles to create your own unique color combinations. C4 stands for choose your color, choose your cause. Use code MANO2016 at c4belts.com for 10% off your purchase. Look good, do good. C4 Belts. Rockstar Energy. From athletes to rock stars, Rockstar Energy Drink is designed for those who lead active lifestyles. Available in over 20 amazing flavors at convenience and grocery outlets in over 30 countries, Rockstar supports that Rockstar lifestyle across the globe through action sports, motorsports, and live music. Rockstar is the official energy drink for the entire WWA Wakeboard World Series. Find out more info on upcoming Rockstar Energy events at www.rockstarenergy.com. Rockstar Energy. The Golden Mike Podcast is back with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products. I feel like at times maybe we were getting a little deep on that one. Well, for those of you listening that have never met Travis, I hope if you take anything from this, it's that he runs the best place to hone your craft on the water in the world. No, I'm kidding, but... Well, the boarding school is awesome, and I do recommend you guys go there. This podcast was about Travis, his story, and really a chance for me to chat with one of the sport's hardest working, longest lasting, I think it's even safe to say, influential figures who will be around the sport hopefully for many, many more years. It was a good conversation, I think, and uh, this was an episode a lot of listeners were waiting for. Be sure to follow those guys on Snapchat at Boarding School. He's pretty adamant about that. I think uh, you guys will see a lot of really goofy shenanigans and plenty of glassy water shots to make us all jealous. Thanks again to Travis Moy. That was like a ton of fun. Well, I'm gearing up for probably my busiest summer ever. You guys can catch me on the road if you can. Here's a list of some upcoming dates. April 21st through the 24th at the Orlando Water Sports Complex for the Nautique Wake Open presented by Rockstar Energy Drink. If you guys are in Chicago the last Saturday in April, not really wakeboarding, but you can come find me at the Illinois State Yo-Yo Contest. I'll be announcing there for my third year in a row. Then in May, I'm heading to Texas Ski Ranch for cable stock. Recording live there, so join me for a special episode featuring the biggest names in wakeboarding, Texas style. May 13th through 15th on Lake Las Vegas with the crew at Boulder Boats for the Malibu Rider Experience West and Pro Card Qualifier. Back to Orlando May 21st for Stop 
two of the Performance Gravel Tour, Memorial Day weekend at the Nautique Masters of Water Skiing and Wakeboarding. June kicks off with the Malibu Rider Experience South on Heiko Lake in North Carolina. Then June 9th through 12th, I'm off to Portugal for the Nautique Pro-Am. I'll surely keep you guys posted with more events as we move closer towards the summertime months. But again, if you have any questions, be sure to email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com or message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. Don't forget I'm on social media. Follow me on Twitter at TheDanoTMano and at the Golden underscore Mike. On Instagram at Dano T. Mano, and be sure to share the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. But first, you gotta like the page. One more thank you to the world's greatest Tobo driver with over one million pulls, the one and only Travis Moy. And now a few shout outs to the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to SeaDeck Marine Products, Performance Ski and Surf, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Boulder Boats. Go Puck, Hungry Boards SUP, Logos That Pop, C4 Belts, and Rockstar Energy. That's going to do it for today's show, guys. I appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan of the Mano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast. (laughs) 